One, two, three. Welcome to the Smartest Amazon Seller Podcast. It is your host, Scott Needham. I have been selling on Amazon for over a decade, and I still sell on Amazon, but I have a service. So I work with sellers all over the world. And one way that I work with sellers, actually, we put on an event uh, just a few weeks ago. In case you've been living under a rock, we put on this event called AMZ United in New Jersey. It was for those wholesalers out there. We wanted to elevate the type of content that they get. And I think we did a good job. And I know we did fairly good in the whole conference because our service providers were so happy. And I came across a few that I was like, oh, this is interesting. I actually love to give service provider shout outs when I feel like they have come at a problem with a unique solution. I was new to meeting today's guest, the event, and we chat a little bit. And I think that they had a good time. I've got with me Oz from Viably. And they were one of the premier booths. They had a corner spot at AMS United. And I think they had a good time. Oz, what do you think? Appreciate you having me out, Scott. This was an amazing event. I've talked with so many different folks since then. And they've been raving about how nice it was to really have a, an event around wholesalers and learn about how to scale a wholesale business up. So it's been great experience, great event. I think everybody's just wanting more and more days and more content. <laughs> right, right. Well, unfortunately, we can't please them all the time. But what we can do is we can continue the conversation with the podcast, right? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so viably, I think I'd seen you guys around just a little bit before the show. Tell us about your story. Like what led, you know, to the creation of another solution for capital? And, and we have a few subjects that like, there's a reason that I brought you on and it wasn't just to talk about financial solutions, but I just want to hear your background first. Sure. The Vibely team, we've actually worked together for about 10 plus years now. And we had a previous company, which was a, you know, cloud software company. And we recognized some of the challenges in being a kind of a non-traditional type company, which is Funding is a key challenge. Traditional banks don't know how to underwrite that type of business. So when we had the exit from the previous company, everybody could take some time off and we decided to get back together, start a new company, and the 20 of us got together and started Viably. And we went after kind of challenging or solving kind of the same challenges we faced initially, which is usually around capital and helping businesses who can't go traditionally get underwritten by a bank and how to help scale those type of businesses up. So that's what kind of led us down this path of the e-commerce. So a few years ago, you exited a business and you decided to get the band together for a reunion tour. And that exactly. reunion tour is known as Viably. So like what you were saying, like banks, they don't like to lend a lot of money. They have businesses they don't understand. But you guys do a little bit of a revenue-based underwriting. Is that right? Correct, correct. You know, so a traditional bank may be looking, okay, where's the asset, the property, the equipment to collateralize to lend against. We're looking at really the performance and health of the business. You know, what's yep. the, the likelihood that the business is doing well now and will continue to grow and scale yeah. and uh, keep performing. One thing that's worth, there's a conversation, is one news item is I've, I've heard, and I've heard this enough that I'm pretty sure it's confirmed that like, so Marcus was one of the loan options that was uh, provided by Amazon Lending. Like they're exiting the space. They're not, like you said, they're a traditional bank that didn't understand how to, to value these businesses. One angle that you guys like to talk about and I think is really interesting is cash flow. 
you guys offer short-term loans, sometimes as short as like a few months and more actually that may be like the main target. And with an e-commerce business, you can actually have very targeted windows where you need cash and then windows where you don't. You know, Q4 comes to mind. If you're private label, you probably need to start thinking about money about two months ago. If you are wholesale, you're going to start thinking about money in the next two months as you start placing your large Q4 orders. And what's great about short-term loans is they're less expensive, but let's talk about cash flow, what it actually means and how could they can use this in their business. Yeah, I love talking about cash flow because I'm doing it every day, talking to sellers. It's the lifeblood of the business, especially where it's a capital-intensive business. You know, when we're doing clouds, software stuff, that was, it's not capital-intensive, there's payroll, but there's not like this huge amount of capital going into products. So here in the e-commerce space where there's so much money going in and out of the business, constantly you're either placing your orders with distributors or placing orders with factories, there's a need for capital and, and it's always in flux, you know, depending what type of the business it is. If you're doing private label, then you're doing maybe 20, 30% down, then you need another 30 or 70% uh, in 30 to 45 days. You're having to worry about kind of you know, lead times and making sure you've got enough capital to get you through that period of time before you get the goods in so you can start selling it. And on private label, one of the yeah. other things we saw which was interesting, if you're successful with a new product launch, you even need more capital faster because you have to go place that next order before you sell out because you've done all this ramping up of your ads, you spent money on buying, you're, you're getting all this performance, but you can't run out of stock now. So you have to be very mindful of how do you have access to capital and do you have the right inventory available so that you keep growing that business. Yeah, so I think when people think like when cash flow, usually you're just looking at like the money in, money out on like a monthly basis. There's another thing about cash flow projections. So what's the difference between those two? So and how you project out the, the future of what your needs are. So different business types. If you're you know, wholesaling, if, okay, how much are you going to grow that business over the, the course of the next 12 months, let's say. And you know, if you can keep buying more uh, and put more into the, the business, I can basically say I can grow that business 20%, 30%. So we still see are doubling your business, getting into uh, seven figures and still doubling, which is amazing to see versus private label where you really need to do a lot more planning ahead to say, okay, if I'm going to go launch these uh, new product SKUs versus a few variations uh, or just use restock, then do I have it uh, aligned with what my cash flow needs are with seasonality of the business and when will I need to place those orders and how does my cash make sure I have enough capital to do the exact uh, strategy I want to go execute. So one of the things we built it from a technology standpoint is we collect all that data in from these APIs and we start kind of projecting out the future to say, okay, if you're doing this kind of performance over the last 12 months, assume this trend continues of growth, this is where you're expected to grow. Now you can go in and then say, insert in, say, okay, I'm going to go do another two new SKUs that I want to launch in Q1 and Q2. What's the impact of that to my future cash flow? So with your cash flow calculator, you can actually put different inputs. Exactly. So you can say, you can basically build out your plan and say, okay, I want to go do, you know, five new variation launches, three new product launches. And that plan is there, but you can see there's a cash flow support that plan. 
Now, if the cash flow doesn't support that plan, you can say, okay, I need to either adjust my plan or I need to bring in some outside capital to go execute on this vision that I have. So you have the data this way to make your decisions off of rather than guessing. And the fact that it's not put down in spreadsheets, it's, it's all real-time data coming in from all the specific data points, whether it's coming in from your Amazon, from your uh, Walmart, eBay, Shopify, we integrate all those, plus your banks and credit cards, we bring in all that data. You're familiar like a mint.com for personal network yeah, a little management. Bit. Yeah. It's kind of like that for business. We're aggregating all that data and showing you kind of what the health of the business. Right. I always like to equate good finances is actually kind of like a technology for your business. Like it's an unlock to reduce your risk. You know, like what your cash needs are going to be on uh, December 1st and January 1st. Like if you know those two dates, you could really make a lot of plans around it. Sure, there's assumptions in there, but like, you know, you've been running your business for a year or two. So hopefully you can get enough things right that you can just maximize the potential of your business. And usually by like getting it right, you could ride the line. You know, you never want to go in the negatives of money or even like, you know, money plus like what you've lent out. But by riding the line, you're not like letting that capital just sit on the side doing nothing. Exactly, which goes back to, you know, if you're doing it right, then your capital should always be working for you. You know, when you're sleeping, those dollars should be going out earning more dollars for you. And, and that's really understanding the, the return uh, on capital rather than just thinking about what's the capital costing. How can I make money work for me? Right, right. By taking on outside capital, there's usually a cost, but like what you were saying is like, you shouldn't be focusing on the cost, but like what's the return on investment on that. I think a lot of people in the e-commerce industry do anywhere from like, you know, 20 to 40% margins. If you're doing a little bit lower than that, then like, you know, that's thin. This is just my opinion. If you're below 15% gross margins, you better really know what you're up to. But once you have that wiggle room of 20, 30, 40% margins, like you're like, okay, yeah, this actually makes sense. The ROI is clearly there that if I turn this inventory once, I made money on the whole thing. Exactly. So, you know, especially what we see on the, the wholesale side where they're turning inventory sometimes eight, nine, ten times a year. Then really just about some, the margins are a little bit thinner there, but it's a, it's a volume game, right? So if you can turn more inventory and as long as you're making, uh, either increase, keep increasing it, hopefully you're using that capital to not only you know, buy more inventory, but improving your buying power so that you are getting a little bit better margins that way. I know that when you buy more, like the discounts can actually come. And one thing that we would do is be like, okay, if you give us these prices that you just advertised, this is our PO. If you give us a discount of like say 5% off of the whole thing, this is our PO. And the second PO had both more SKUs and more quantity. And we're like, great, this is 5% off of the entire order. We now have more ability when it comes time to sell. We can actually sell it at a lower price and still make money compared to our competitors. Exactly. And those things, you know, especially in wholesale, every little point, you can get half a point here, a point here, those things add up because it's just the sheer volume of yeah. the business. I've never talked about this podcast, but I think you might have a perspective on it, is how often you turn your inventory five times a year versus like 12 times a year. That's an interesting thought, like that wholesale turns their inventory faster 
what a huge advantage to be able to do that. Exactly, you're cutting down on your storage fees, and you're especially on the wholesale side. If you're not having to bump anything with ads, you know sometimes we'll see some they'll, they'll allocate you know two percent or so out of their monthly budget. Say, okay, if I need to move something, so uh, you know staying in the inventory more than sixty days, I'll just do that a little bit after if I'm not going to buy lots enough times to to move that inventory, uh, which is fine with this. You know, it's a calculated strategy. As long as the, the model which you've built out is okay, I can turn inventory. And we've seen some as low as like 20 days they're turning inventory. It's just mind boggling that you can turn inventory that. Oh, inventory. of course. Yeah. No, it's, there's no question yeah. that like it can get really short. It's not always short, but like it can be there, especially if their supplier gets it to you within a week. That always helps. Sometimes like yeah. we have suppliers that would get it to us in two weeks. And it is amazing if you ever look at the economics of a business. Like if you increase the turns on inventory, how quickly that compounds your profits. Actually, it's very simple. It's just like, let's say, let's assume 20% margin. And every time you turn your inventory, that means you're making 20% on that inventory. If you could sneak in another turn during a year, you just compounded your inventory by 20% again. So exactly. obviously if business was on a spreadsheet, you know, it'd be that easy, but we know that there's a lot of resistance to having your turns as fast as possible all the time. The way we look at it is we're looking at kind of a, a private banking experience. With the, we're essentially partnering with the business and because we want to work with you all the way till an exit. And we always say, okay, capital is one piece of the puzzle. You need to make sure as you're thinking about growth that your infrastructure is there to support it, your team's there to support it. You know kind of the products you need to be sourcing. All that other stuff needs to still be in place and you're thinking about how you keep scaling that, the capital is just adding fuel to the fire when the whole machine's working the way it should be. That's interesting. Well, let's tie it back into what you guys have built and what use cases that you're finding are most effective with sellers, like one month versus three months versus six. I don't know. Like, Tell me about Viably. We have uh, working capital, which you know, for private label, it makes sense to do you know, three to six months. What we've found uniquely different for wholesalers, because they can turn inventory much, much faster, we have this kind of a separate program just designed for wholesalers, where it's really designed around, because for you know a typical private label, a lump sum of capital can be useful. Like I can go do bigger orders, and, and they're going to use that money over a period of time. With you know a wholesaler, if you were getting a lump sum of a million dollars, that's maybe less useful than getting a hundred thousand on a recurring basis every month. Because this way, because a, a private label person may be buying you know, three, four times a year versus a wholesaler's placing orders every week to every two weeks. So having access to that capital on a regular recurring basis is something that can really help scale up a business if you go wholesale. So we basically created a kind of a recurring model where you're getting capital on a every month basis to really quickly ramp up the business. So whether that is, okay, I can take the business to a 20% month over month increase, 30%, 40%, depending on whatever your, once your infrastructure team can support. Do you ever turn away sellers? What would be your like reasons why it'd be like, I oh, don't, we don't think this is a fit. Yeah, we're actually pretty cautious about that in the sense that, you know, we, we find that sometimes uh, sellers have either gotten overextended themselves. You know, we, our goal is to never put you in the red. We want to basically you know, help as we, we talk about it as a partnership. It's really just that from day one. So if it's going to overextend you, then nobody really ends up winning. So you're just going to be in a 
in a further hole. But sometimes it can be a strategy that, okay, yeah, I know I'm getting myself into a hole here, but I have a plan of how I can kind of spend my way out of it or kind of or take money and kind of grow my way out of that. Sometimes that works, but for a lot of times, it's just yeah. been you know a reflection of some um, on misfortunes or just um, bad decisions along the way. Well, that's good because I've never seen a hole in my Amazon business. We've just operated everything crystal clear all the time. That's a joke. Like I totally see what you're saying. That like there's some situations that people can find themselves, and actually, the you know it's like it's not like throwing more capital. The situation is right. Actually, when we were talking earlier this week, you talked about like a, as an amplifier. Tell me more about that. People think like, well, money solves all problems. No, what it really does is just amplifies whatever's there. So if things are doing, going well, then it'll amplify that. Meaning you're making the right kinds of moves. It's good, more money's just gonna help you know, fuel the fire on that. If you're using money to basically not look at areas of the business you need to be looking at, so say you're doing private label and you're just like, okay, if I can just keep throwing more money on ads, that will solve it. And you find, if we look at the business because we can look at it holistically, we see that, okay, yeah, the business overall is not bad, but the leaky bucket in this is these ads are just not performing well. If you had a, a better uh, ad optimization, that product would be far, far better. And then the, the return on capital is far greater for you. So if you're right now just using the money just to not address that problem, you're doing yourself a disservice. If there's a leaking bucket in your business, like throwing capital out the business will just make that hole even bigger. Exactly. Because at some point, you're going to have to solve it and it's just going to be a much right. bigger hole to throw to solve. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. Like I think in 2018, we were like, hey, hold the horses. We're not making as much money as we thought we were because we were growing, I think we were doing about 65 million that year, but we had all these side investments that we, we wanted to build and like we wanted them to be successful. Some of them actually were, but the point was that we weren't making money anymore. And that's a huge red flag for me on an Amazon business. There's very few businesses that I think in the Amazon space should be growth at all costs. I think you just have to be profitable and make sure that at the end of the year, you have a net profit. You should be paying taxes every year. That's just a much more comfortable situation. And we made some changes in 2018 that I think to the tune of like 800,000 where we were like losing a little bit of money and then we got in the black. It's a great feeling to do that. And I would be, I think we talked about raising money as early as 2017. I'm glad that we didn't do it because I don't think we were ready. I don't think we had the discipline from a finance and cash flow perspective to do that. Yeah, you bring up a really good point because in a cash flow business, especially as cash flow intensive as like the e-commerce is, it's easy to overlook where is the profitability, meaning that there's so much money going in and out. And as long as there's enough of that happening, you never feel like the pinch of, am I actually profitable? So true. You were just saying right there that like, I've never thought of it that way, that like there's so much cash coming in and out that like it's easy to not reconcile you know like sometimes we just wouldn't reconcile our inventory like every month i yeah. personally think you should i agree and part of being here like selling on ebay you're selling on walmart selling on amazon people sellers will look at the kind of silo channels and not get a chance enough to look at the holistic business the fact that we bring in all that data in one place and look at holistically and give you that view I think it helps us say, okay, what exactly is the whole overall business doing 
across, you know, irrespective of the specific channels that the, yeah. the business is within. Now, the answer to this might be no, but do you have any people that use your cash flow modeling by itself and the tools that you've built and not actually taken on any capital? Yeah, the way the platform is designed is just for that. So meaning that you can go in, you can set up an account, you can use the cash flow, make all the connections, use the cash flow tool, you can even use the banking piece. And it's designed to say, okay, as I'm building out these plans, as I'm kind of doing my cash flow management and planning, I can say, yeah, okay, my cash flow supports this type of strategy, but for me to go aggressive here or do this type of a launch, I can't do it with my existing cash flow. And I can click a button and say, on this plan, and I can get request funding for that specific plan. Well, shoot, we should follow this up with a demo. I think I want to learn a little bit more. <laughs> I'll check out what I can on the website, but like I do want to see, I always like to see solutions out there, give it a whirl because, you know, sometimes people are at different stages of their business and sometimes I recommend different things and that's pretty cool. Well, Oz, I've really appreciated you coming on and talking and more, I appreciate you guys taking a risk on a first time conference, AMZ United. I think I heard between the lines or even when you were there that you guys are planning on coming back, right? Absolutely. It was a fantastic event. I love meeting people. I've met so many people since then that we've been talking to from that conference. So. Well, now, how can we make it better? I think the consensus I've heard from everybody is like, you know, it would have been great to have an extra day just to hear more presentations, more time to network. Do you know what's the best part of a two-day conference? Is the first night, like, yeah. I think everyone's aligned on like, they're still in conference mode. They're still in networking mode. And like, yeah, they're just like, and so there's usually a lot of events that spring up that night. We tried to have events the night before and the night after. And I think the night after was less than our expectation. People had already taken off. We did a casino after the conference. While we had like 150 people, that's actually a huge drop from like the 700 people that we had just a few hours before. So, you know, there's a few like corner parts of the event that we'll probably rethink. I'm excited for next year. It'll be a lot of fun. Oz, thank you so much for jumping on. I do think, you know, you guys have a unique solution and cash flow is kind of a technology unlock if you truly understand with your business. And I think some people can trade some scars about when they didn't have their cash flow right. Well, thanks for coming on. Scott, Scott, appreciate you having me. And you can learn more at runbyme.com. As Scott, you mentioned, you know, anybody can just go in and connect up and get a sense of their own kind of the business form. Perfect. Cool. Okay. Well, with that, we'll wrap up. Thanks, everyone. Stay tuned for next week's episodes and do those little things like hit subscribe, tell your friends, and all that. And thank you, everyone. And we'll uh, see you next time. One, two, three. Yeah.